Hi everyone and welcome back to The Ride Up. I'm your host Charity Swift. So let's just dive into the next episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to The Ride Up and thank you for tuning in today. We are going to start on our nutrition series, and within this series, we'll be touching on many different topics. And so if you guys have any ideas or anything that you would like to be um, really talked about, go ahead and send me an email to charityswift.hotmail.com, or you can reach out to me on Facebook on my Charity Swift Performance Horses page or on my personal page, and I'll be happy to... Uh, address some of the topics that you guys are interested in. I'm going to give you a little background about myself. I majored in biological and animal sciences when I was in college, and I had actually planned a career doing um, equine veterinarian work. And when I started into those courses, I had a horse that was extremely allergic to so many things. And with that horse, I really started diving into equine nutrition, and I've been studying that now for uh, 20, 20 some odd years. And <clears throat> so I just want to share my knowledge that I've learned over the years with you guys, and I hope that, you know, it, it gives you some tools in which to uh, help your horses with their dietary needs. So if you hear me in the background, I'll probably be going through some of my notes and pages, and um, so I apologize if that gets a little loud. But I do want to start, start on your baseline of where you should be starting your feed program and kind of build from there. <clears throat> you should have a good awareness of the proper ratios of your horse's diet um, and your horse's daily requirements include about 40 nutrients. You need to have the proper amounts of energy, which translates into carbohydrates and protein. There are um, minerals and vitamins, of course, uh, good fat and water. And for a horse, depending on age, you need to have uh, at least four amino acids present in their diet, and those include lysine, methionine, tryptophan, and threonine. And these need to definitely um, be in your horse's diet for uh, the senior horses and for your young growing horses especially uh, because they definitely can affect um, growth and in the senior horses affect their top lines and um, their overall physicality, you know, through their, through their aging. You also need to have trace amounts of sulfur and this can also look like MSM on an, on an ingredient deck. You should have zinc and copper and those two right there are generally imbalanced and lower than what they should be and that's why we see a lot of issues of um, foot health degradation and uh, thrush not going away, things like that. So you may have to increase your zinc and copper levels in your horse's diets and vitamin A and vitamin E. So today, what we're going to really speak on is an anti-inflammatory diet. How does that benefit your horse? And... 
what does that look like? Well, I feed my horses all an anti-inflammatory diet, and that starts from the young ones all the way up to the old ones, everything in between. On our farm here, we've got weanlings up to um, an almost 30-year-old senior. I've got broodmares and stallions and performance horses, and they all start on an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, and, you know, each one of them is not on the same thing. But it does start me on a good baseline for them so that we can start from there. And then based on the need of the horse, I will, you know, add or not add certain things. So in your base of anti-inflammatory diet, you need to first start with testing your hay. And this is really key to understanding where your start point is and how you will want to supplement after that uh, after that hay analysis comes back. And the reason why this is important is, for instance, you know, um, we've got a lot of uh, genetic issues and metabolic issues that we're really diving into now and we're discovering causes these problems for our horses. And each one of them needs to be addressed at a different need. So you might have a horse that needs a higher protein. You might need a horse that you need to uh, balance certain minerals within their diet. And if you don't know where your start point is with your forage, which should be most of uh, what you're feeding your horse, um, then you won't have an idea of how to get those correct balances uh, within their supplement program. And uh, I'll give you an example, and you can go ahead and find standards and values uh, for these different ratios in your feed structure in the National Research Council 1989 Bible of Equine Nutrition. You can just Google that. It's uh, a couple hundred pages and really great information, but that'll give you some uh, good ratios and good uh, value standards to start with um, if you're interested in taking a look at that. For instance, a horse that is metabolically challenged, there's four nutrients that uh, need to be balanced that um, is best for a metabolically challenged horse, and those are iron, copper, zinc, and manganese, and that is at a ratio of four, one, three, four. And so if you have a horse that you are needing to address metabolic issues with, you will have um, generally your local extension office run some hay analysis tests for you, and they're not super expensive. And they will give you generally a non-structured carbohydrate, uh, protein content, and uh, any specified mineral content that you wish, and you can get it as extensive as you like. They have a general one that they will run, and then you know you can let them know if you are specifically looking for certain key um, nutrients within that hay analysis, and they will do that for you. Um, you know, so if you have a metabolically challenged horse, that might be the four that you want to look at, which again is iron, copper, zinc, and manganese. So, you know, the the ratio standard is really important to sort of be up on. You can also have somebody who is 
an equine nutritionist take a look at those standards for you and let you know if you have concerns of a horse's issues you know you can let them know what those are and they can help you uh, sort of find your baselines of where your ratios could be and then you know start your start to develop that supplement program from there so kind of you know that's where you're going to start and quite honestly um you know i i used to be really against alfalfa um during the time where my horse was uh, severely allergic that i had when i was in my late teens um and he was he was very allergic to it he couldn't have that type of hay and you will find some horses do have an allergy to certain types of grasses certain types of you know legumes that t- sort of thing and you will have to omit those types of feeds out of their program uh, more often than not when i see somebody who states that a horse gets really hot on an alfalfa uh it's most often that the mineral balance is off. Um, Generally what happens is, you know, if you're feeding an alfalfa, they tend to be higher in calcium and you will need to balance your magnesium within their diet and supplement program. And you will start to see your horse kind of come out of the clouds, so to speak, and um, not be so hypersensitive. So, you know, just just an idea of, again, how those ratios really uh, are key and you know just being aware of what could be offsetting your mineral imbalance um, just based on forage is where you want to start on that balancing scale and once you know that through your hay analysis then you can kind of tailor your supplement program around that and and you know again touching back on uh, some of these genetic diseases uh, and uh, metabolic issues that we are starting to see more prevalent within our horses. Um, you know, the horse is going to be being fed slightly different uh, than you would um, just your average no issue um, horse that you might have. And so those are key factors that you need to be aware of as well. And if you have issues that continue to arise, I would highly suggest getting a panel done on your horse and uh, looking at other things that may be causing issues. And, you know, again, those would be PSSM, EPSM, um, hypothyroidism, Cushing syndrome, and insulin resistance. So, you know, those are all factors to look at as to um, how you want to be tailoring the the feed program for your horses. Much of these will be um, hugely helped through um, eliminating these inflammatory um, ingredients within their program. And so this is really, again, like a great baseline to start with your horses, you know, and then if you need to kind of tweak some things here and there, uh, you can tailor things to their need and um, what they, you know, what they are telling you through um, either continued symptoms and and whatnot. So <clears throat> generally, you want to have uh, allow access to a low glycemic hay. Um, and allow as much access to that as you can during the day. Uh, Horses weren't designed to go through periods of fasting because that can cause 
uh, ulcer issues, hindgut acidosis, and general digestive upset. And, you know, if you are not able to um, feed your horse, you know, multiple times a day if they're stalled or have them out on um, pasture, then, you know, it is recommended to look for ways to uh, allow for them to have hay in front of them during the day for longer periods. And that could look like a uh, slow feeder, <clears throat> a slow feeding hay net things like that. Or, you know, if you have somebody who helps you with your feed, uh, feeding schedule, maybe they can go out and feed for you in the afternoon, um, in addition to your morning and evening feeds. So, you know, that kind of just gives you an idea of, um, you know, some options that you might have. And you also want to be careful of, in an anti-inflammatory diet, of what kind of, in quotes, grains you're feeding and much of our grain structure anymore is really um, complete feeds. And, you know, you will see um, whole oats and things like that. I tend to stay away from a lot of whole oats. I do have some horses that get a little bit within <clears throat> their feed structure. Um, but for the most part, if I am suspect of a horse having... Um, either genetic issues or uh, metabolic issues, more than likely I'm not going to have them on a whole oat because that does have a high glycemic index um, for some of these guys. And again, since you're looking at an anti-inflammatory diet, you want to have a lower glycemic index. And you can go ahead and Google um, glycemic indexes for horse feed and be able to, you know, it gives you a nice chart to take a look at uh, that can be really helpful for you to make your choices on some of these um, supplementations so that you can figure out what's going to fall in best for your horse. Um, <clears throat> some of the ingredients that you want to stay away from are really key. Uh, one of those is molasses that is in so many feeds, you know, you know, you might say, hey, I'm not feeding a sweet feed. Well, if you are feeding a complete feed, <clears throat> more than likely you have molasses in that feed. And even if you, even if it's a low carb feed, <clears throat> excuse me, molasses is a high sugar and it, um, changes the stomach pH, which causes ulcers and uh, pass, can pass into the intestines undigested and lead to colon and hindgut acidosis. Um, you want to stay away from this for horses that have issue, issues such as EPSM, which is equine polysaccharide storage myopathy, more Monday morning disease, tying up, body soreness, things along that nature. Um, anything to do with a metabolic disorder as well. So, um, you know, with the high sugar structure, <clears throat> that needs to be something that you take a look at and omit from your feed. So corn is another one that is highly inflammatory that you're going to want to stay away from. It's high in omega-6 fatty acids and low in omega-3s. And where this really um, 
comes into play is in most of uh, your feed program, and this is why you see a lot of supplements touting that they are high in omega-3 fatty acids, is because the diet generally for um, most of these complete feeds um, in conjunction with the forage tends to be higher in the omega-6s. And much of that is because of these filler ingredients and uh, the um, inflammatory ingredients that are within these products. Um, so you'll see uh, corn in uh, complete feed a lot of the times and you don't even realize it. And so that has a high omega-6 profile and a low omega-3 profile. And so then, you know, uh, the companies are touting to feed more omega-3s and usually, you know, they'll tell you to feed a flaxseed or something along that lines because it has a higher omega-3 profile. And really what you need to be looking at is balancing correctly just initially to start so then you're not trying to chase um, one ratio against the other. And there's still, the jury's still out in um, studies as to what that correct balance is. I've seen uh, anywhere from a one-to-one ratio to a three-to-one ratio being that it's omega-6 to omega-3s and uh, generally what you'll see in some of these uh, feed programs is that your omega-6s are up to like an 18 or higher compared to your omega-3s being at a 1. So that's why you are always hearing about how you should put omega-3s into their diet. Corn promotes inflammation within the body and creates an acidic pH within the stomach. And that acidic pH creates a more hostile environment for beneficial good bacteria and a really great environment for the bad bacteria. So again, that really formulates into uh, gut health. And, um, you know, we are really combating that a lot with ulcers and hindgut and really trying to bring up that good bacteria. You see a lot of uh, companies that put in uh, probiotics, and that's something that we're going to talk about um, in some other topics that we uh, talk on nutrition. But um, that's why you see a lot of that occur in the um, supplementations is because they are trying to combat that um, gut issue and make for a healthier environment when there are other feed stuffs per se going into the supplement program that are actually causing more harm than good. Another one is soy. <clears throat> we hear a lot about soy um, and the reason why soy is added to a lot of these feeds is it's a cheap form of protein, but it actually, which it, which is funny in a way because um, soy actually contains an enzyme inhibitor that disrupts protein digestion. So you you have an ingredient that they're adding for the protein content, but it's actually um, omitting part of that digestion of the protein and any other protein that you're feeding with it. So it cancels it out and it really uh, does nothing for the horse or um, the dietary need. It also contains uh, hemoglutanin, which promotes blood clotting. It contains goitrogens, which contribute to the formation of goiters. And if you have older horses in particular, 
they can be um, prone to developing those and that can um, actually contribute to it. Uh, the other issue with soy is it's highly estrogenic and it should never be fed to horses with any type of metabolic disorder like hypothyroidism, insulin resistance, or Cushing syndrome. And uh, the other issue is that 99.9% .9 of soy is genetically modified to be Roundup ready. So you're looking at the glyphosate and that is one of the active ingredients uh, in the leading cause of leaky gut syndrome in horses. And leaky gut syndrome can cause allergies, diarrhea, malabsorption syndrome, colic, and irritable bowel syndrome. And going along with that malabsorption syndrome, soy actually contains um, high phytates which bind to certain minerals such as zinc and calcium and makes them less absorbable. And that's gonna be throwing your um, mineral balances off within your horse's system. And so those are all things that you need to be aware of if you feed soy. And again, uh, you know, in relation to soy, you wanna look at the byproducts of uh, soy and, and other byproducts, um, you know, soybean meal, soy middlings, soy holes, uh, wheat middlings, peanut holes, even beet pulp. Uh, those are all byproducts. Um, you know, beet pulp is shown as uh, low glycemic on the index in the NSC, but um, you still have a lack of full spectrum of nutrients within that. It's inflammatory and it's difficult to digest. So, um, you know, any anything that has an issue where it can't it can pass into the intestines undigested, undigested sorry. Um, it can lead to colon and hindgut acidosis. And so, you know, if you're having gut issues, take them off of the beet pulp. And, you know, something else to understand about beet pulp is that's a GMO product as well. And so you're looking at something that's been modified to be Roundup ready. You're looking at the glyphosate and that can carry on to the leaky gut syndrome again. So allergies, diarrhea, malabsorption, colic, irritable bowel syndrome. So stay away from that beet pulp. The other one, that's this one is really huge and it's not um, readily talked about, um, but there have been studies uh, done on uh, rice bran for insulin resistant horses. Um, and, you know, in looking at an anti-inflammatory diet, think of it as um, feeding a person kind of a lower car carbohydrate diet that's um, clean and full of healthy vegetables, fats, healthy proteins, that sort of thing. And so that's kind of how you look at an anti-inflammatory diet. And so with the rice bran, um, what happens here is two things. Um, you have an extremely high fat. Uh, in a study that they did through an analysis lab, they uh, found that it has 20% fats in a rice bran. And they also show that rice bran is fairly high on the glycemic index for non-structural carbohydrates, so um, which it's right there under um, wheat bran, which is another one that you want to stay away from. But the rice bran, uh, what this does for a horse that's insulin resistant or has these metabolic issues, 
um, is that the high fat within the first two hours of eating, uh, let's say a rice bran, it spikes their insulin level 20 times higher than normal. And you are also additionally adding a high sugar uh, ingredient that is high fat. So you are coupling that together and you are shooting like skyrocketing that insulin within that first two hours. And for a horse that's metabolically uh, challenged, you will send them into an episode. They can become almost immediately laminitic. You can um, send them into um, almost like an insulin shock. So please be aware, rice bran is very, very bad uh, for a horse with metabolic disorders. And just be aware of how that high fat, like if you're feeding an insulin resistant horse, you want to be feeding um, a better fat, I guess you could say. Something that um, is is inclusive of uh, like a fiber and able to be broken down and not something that is just a strict high fat, which is look, which looks like, you know, corns, which looks like corn oils, soybean oils, uh, flaxseed oils, anything along that nature. The oils you want to really stay away from, um, you know, a better source for your fats and especially a more balanced omega source is chia seed and hemp hearts. And no, hemp hearts do not contain THCs or CBDs. They are uh, mainly uh, a healthy source of omega uh, three, six, and nines and proteins. So. Um, don't be afraid of a little bit of the hemp heart. And those are what I feed my horses. I feed chia seed and hemp hearts and I, I have absolutely no issues and, um, my horses look amazing. You see a lot of, um, flax being, uh, mentioned as well as a great omega-3 source and it is, it's a, it's an excellent omega-3 source as far as that's concerned. Um, the issue with flax is, and you know, it could be used well for an insulin resistant horse if you use a flaxseed. Now, not the flax oil. I would not use oils because they are already pressed down. They are already um, all the fiber and all that great stuff for uh, how the system needs to break it down and utilize it is already kind of expelled. So um, I would stay away from the oils. But if you use a flax, you know, you of course need to grind it because you cannot feed it whole. The Their systems don't break that down. They can break down chia seeds, so you do not need to uh, grind down chia seed like you do flax. Um, but the issue with flax is a couple things. Um, once it does get ground down, it goes rancid quickly. And a rancid fat causes oxidation of cells, leading to... Uh, free radicals and early cell death. So where you're trying to, you know, help with the anti-inflammatories and really um, uh, create a great environment for cell health, you're actually damaging that cell health and killing them with a rancid fat that you're using in flax. So just be aware that that can go bad really quickly. The other issue with flax 
is it has extremely high phytoestrogens, actually higher than soy. You're looking at three to four times more phytoestrogens within flax than you are with soy. And it's a different type of phytoestrogen. In flax, it's a lignin, but it still uh, affects your pituitary gland and your, and your thyroid system. So if you have a horse that has any type of a metabolic disorder, again, hypothyroidism, insulin resistance, Cushing syndrome, if you have a mare that uh, is extremely um, difficult within her cycles, uh, can be really hormonal, if you also have breeding stallions, stay away from the high phytoestrogenetic uh, uh, feed so, um, you know, soys, flax, any of those. Can you stay away from all phytoestrogens? No, absolutely not. I mean, if you feed alfalfa, that has phytoestrogens in it, but in a much lower scale. And actually, it can help um, kind of even out a, a horse's hormones if you make sure that they are balanced. So those are kind of the inflammatory ingredients that you want to steer clear of. And one thing that I like to do um, within my program is I have two supplements that I feed. One of them is Animal Element Detox. I absolutely love that uh, formula. I will always keep that and always feed it. And I also have a supplement mixed up for me from the Equine Edge that does uh, supplements for Justify, American Pharaoh, and a lot of top athlete horses and they do a mix, and it's called Charity Swift Performance Horses. And um, in both of those um, supplements is something called zeolite. And the reason why I love feeding something that has a zeolite in it, and you can go ahead and order just a zeolite yourself uh, on its own in a powder form. You don't have to buy um, any supplementation that I even suggest or recommend. What a zeolite does is they discovered this in um, the Chernobyl incident, and it is a mineral that contains mainly aluminum and silicone compounds, and uh, it is basically marketed for um, balancing pH and removing heavy metals within the body. Um, you know, and they... they touted as doing other things, you know, supplement-wise for people. Um, the biggest thing, though, is that it removes uh, the heavy metals and balances the pH within the system. And why this is so important, uh, especially when you are looking to balance your horse's mineral content, uh, vitamin and mineral content, is that um, what this does is, you know, think about it as, um, for instance, if you have high contents of iron in your horse's system, uh, this will help the body, the horse's body, to flush that high iron out and um, release it from its system. Because horses are not like people. They do not, uh, in the sense of iron, not expelling from their system like it does from ours. So, um, you know, they get iron from water sources. They get it from um, the hay sources and the soils and all that sort of thing. And most of the time, we don't really need to be um, adding a huge amount of iron content to 
our horse's diets. And generally, if a horse is uh, low in iron, you are looking at an imbalance elsewhere in their um, body and their mineral mineralization. And so they're mostly, um, not in all cases, uh, you know, this again kind of um, is specific for uh, each individual horse. So uh, don't take this as an encompassing all horse. But um, most horses are imbalanced in other um, mineral content in their system and therefore it is uh, throwing off their iron and people think that they need to be throwing more iron at their horse when in actuality they need to be feeding another um, mineral in order to balance the two. So just keep that in mind and again that kind of goes back to understanding your ratios and um, looking into that and if again you guys want to check that out you can go ahead and look that up by googling um, the National Research Council 1989 Bible of Equine Nutrition. So getting back to the zeolite, um, it helps to expel the um, levels that the system may be holding on to and um, that is throwing off and imbalancing the other mineral contents that you're feeding your horse as well. So it helps to create <clears throat> a better balanced system within your horse and that's why I like to feed a zeolite within my program. Um, you know in our area too we have uh, higher uh, areas of selenium so you know we I know um, just south of us had uh, a farm that had selenium toxicity in their horses and their horses feet literally fell off. I mean you know it can be pretty um, scary having certain types of toxicities within your horse's system. So, you know, that's again why I like to feed a zeolite because that will help to balance that out and help their systems expel what it is that is building up and they're not utilizing and uh, therefore um, help to balance that mineral system again rather than having too much or too little of something. So, I hope that really gives you guys a lot of great information. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at charityswift at hotmail.com and go ahead and check out my website at www.charityswift.com and I will see you on the next write up.